it's time for History Matters. We are joined in the studio by the one and only Scott Washington, historian extraordinaire, to uh, catch us up on uh, what has happened in history this week. Good morning. Oh, the, the sleepy little show that seems like nothing has happened. Well, of course, everything happens uh, this weekend. Uh, certainly, uh, we're thinking about the folks down in Texas right now dealing with that tragedy. Uh, but in a world and certainly a country of 331 million people, uh, there are countless more acts of good going on every day. And uh, that's what we need to kind of balance. The that's, a, that's a difficult balance to strike, it right? Is, because you can't, you can't focus exclusively on the positive because that right. can get a little bit toxic too. Like focus only on oh, that and right. you no. ignore and neglect what's negative. But you really need to like focus your attention. I mean, the, the Mr. Rogers line, right? Focus, right? focus on the helpers. Pay that's attention right. to the fact that there are good people doing good and trying to help. I mean, just just talked with Grace Davis, who's at Chapel yeah. Hill High School, one of many high school right. students who's standing up and doing something today. And, I mean, look at all of those folks who are, right. who are really trying to make a difference. And we, well, that's what we want to see is something good come out of something terrible. Like, let's make sure that we don't have assault weapons in everyone's hands. Mm. <laughs> Even the military, you have to check those in. They don't just assign them. They just say, all right, we're not going to issue this. So th there are lots of different elements about this uh, that we can consider. But that's what history tells us. Let's take a look. Let's see what's happening. And here's one that I'm sure that uh, Spain wished that they had had a second chance. Um, back in 1588, this week, May 28th, is when the Spanish Armada sets out with 130 ships, 30,000 men, to invade England. <laughs> they, they are sailing from uh, Portugal. Uh, they're heading for the English Channel, and it will take until the end of May for all the ships to leave port. Well, of course, we know how that story turns out, which is that it is a colossal failure. And uh, it just should be one of those reasons that you look at history and say, well, before you do things like invading another country, take a look at history. It's not necessarily uh, been kind to that. Um, in addition to that, I, I love pointing out uh, some of the really interesting things that happen uh, in history because this is this is to speaks to the good things that happen, and it's so surprising. One happens this week, May 24th, 1844, is when Samuel... Uh, F.B. Morse, and that stands for Finley Breeze. <laughs> Sounds like an air freshener. Breeze? Finley Breeze. <laughs> I think that's what I ordered the last time I was at the bar. <laughs> Finley Breeze. Well, it could be. Um, he sends his message on this telegraph. Now, the interesting thing is that this is the person we think, here we are in a studio, uh, and we're broadcasting and people hearing. This is like the origins of how this develops. And now there's lots of pieces uh, of this puzzle, and a lot of people have a part of it, but certainly Samuel Morse is the one who comes up with this idea of uh, electromagnetic relaying of messages. And not only that, but he figures out uh, in, in conversations with people how to make it so it goes over a long distance. And this is a big deal. And of course, Morse code is part of that uh, as well. But you know, he wasn't originally in this engineering field at all. He was a painter. In fact, if you look up, you'll be so surprised to see the incredible amount of painting 
that he did that's really professional quality, and it was. Uh, he was actually coming back from Europe uh, in eighteen. Was he like an artistic painter, or did he paint the sides of buildings? No, no, okay, an artistic painter. He may have painted the side of building too, but he was an artistic painter uh, coming back from Europe in eighteen thirty-two uh, to take a position as a professor of art at. New York University, and he engages in a conversation with a fellow who's talking about electromagnetic uh, the possibilities, and something clicks. And so on this voyage, talk about an ode to creativity, he comes up with this idea. And uh, over the next about uh, 14, 15 years, he's actually comes up with how to do this and including, of course, uh, Morse code by 1844. That's when the first message is sent from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore. And uh, the, you say, well, what was that message? It comes from uh, uh, the, the book of Numbers in the Bible, uh, What Hath God Wrought? <laughs> and, you know, you think of other lines you really might just think referring of. <laughs> to traffic on I-95, I think. <laughs> I think so, too. And... Um, so he actually uh, sends this message, but it takes a, and it takes a number of years. By 1861, though, um, the Western Union Company has laid out uh, cable, uh, telegraph wires, uh, many places across the nation. It proves central to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. It's the way that Abraham Lincoln is able to keep up with what's happening all over the country uh, with the battles going on. Um, and by 1865, it's, uh, there's a telegraph uh, lines laid across the, the continent and uh, Atlantic um, so that uh, suddenly the world is a little smaller. And we think today, yeah. <laughs> the, the lightning speed, or we're sitting there tapping our foot impatiently like, I sent this text, why aren't I getting a response? Ten seconds ago, you That's haven't right. responded yet. I'm not even seeing the little <laughs> like moving dots suggesting that exactly. you're typing a response. That's right. And I just love this story because it's a great case of somebody who's in something entirely different and thinks of it a different way. And because of that, you might say, that's what leads to a different uh, way of, of looking at life. And, and just a different way of living. I think it would take for granted with the telegraph and the telephone and the television yes. and computers and the Internet and all of this uh, right. fiber technology and everything that followed up on the telegraph, just how incredibly oh. innovative it is and how imaginative you have to be yes. to come up with something like that, but also just how much it shrinks the world. It's not that oh, the world is a little smaller. That's right. Prior to the telephone, the computer, the telegraph... Right. Right. Transportation technology, the railroads yes. are going in at the same time, canals are being built. People prior to that lived in a world that to us today is unimaginably large. That's right. Like there was no way for an ordinary person even to get from one state to another practically, Sometimes let cities. alone yeah, <laughs> yeah, let alone like going from one time zone to That's another, right. from one country to another. Like that oh, yes. world was just unimaginably large. And today we live in a world that to those people people would be just unimaginably small. Uh, that's right. And so fast. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, speaking to that, you know, I think of people like George Eastman who popularizes uh, photography and how that changes the way we f- actually literally look at the world. Mm-hmm. And one of these uh, people that stands in that long line of people enlarging our vision is a woman, uh, Dorothea Lange. Uh, whose birthday occurs this week on uh, May 26, 1895. 
And um, she's, of course, that, that wonderful photographer who captured so many images of the Great Depression. Um, and we all remember that enlarges our view mm. and I think our sense of compassion of what was going on. Uh, and Dorothea all, Lang's the one who did the the mother yes. with the with the kids. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. With that, that iconic. It's one of those image. where you don't recognize the name, but if you see the picture she That's took, right. you would recognize you it would instantly. Say, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. And she had a great ability to do that. Um, she also talk, uh, took pictures um, uh, when uh, Japanese Americans were interned without uh, dent of trial, uh, and she took lots of those pictures, but. Those ones were only later on after the war released um, so that you'd have to go actually to a website to go look them up because those ones are extremely iconic. Yep. These children saluting and saying a Pledge of Allegiance and then shortly thereafter they and their families are put in internment camps. Yep. You know, so that's one of those people. The other one uh, that comes up uh, this week this is... This will be our last one. Okay. Yep. Rachel Carson. Uh, who yeah. was uh, born this week, May 27th, 1907. Um, and probably we all know her from Silent Spring, talking about DDT. But she had started in English, got an interest in biology, and then found, and probably would have just been a fine researcher, except that she was such a good writer. And that leads to a lifelong interest in this. And when she began to see that DDT, which was a pesticide, which was seen as, oh, this is great. It's like the atomic bomb for insects, except it had a ripple effect, uh, ripple effect across uh, the chain of nature that when she writes her book, it really starts the larger environmental movement. And we are the benefactors of that today, just like Jacques Cousteau in the oceans, we're suddenly realizing we're part of an inter uh, uh, interconnected world, whether it's telecommunications or it's nature, we are so in-depth to the people who cause us to take a little larger look at what our world is, and that's how history happens. And that's how history matters. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.